Chapter forty of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty. How the news spread through the castle, I know not, but Charles the seventh had hardly recovered from the first surprise of the intelligence when, without waiting for permission or ceremony, all whose station justified their admission to the presence of the prince crowded into the little hall of Espali a bright and beautiful sight it presented at that moment for it was a court of youth and beauty and not more than two or three persons present had seen thirty years of age hope and enthusiasm was in every countenance and the heavy beams of the vault rang with the cries of long live the king the bearer of this intelligence which had caused the acclamation seemed likely to be altogether forgotten by the monarch in the gratulations which poured upon him but some bold frank words of the young and heroic lord of la Hire gave to generous agnes sorrel an opportunity of calling the attention of charles to jean charost ay god save the king cried la Hire warmly and sent him some more crowns in his purse to secure the one upon his head agnes whispered something to the young queen and marie of anjou turned gracefully toward de bracy saying this gentleman my lord has something to tell your majesty on that score he is the messenger of all good tidings sir urged agnes sorrel but perhaps your majesty forgets him he was the trusted friend of your uncle of orleans he was wounded and made prisoner at azincourt and his first steps upon french ground after his liberation brings you tidings of dignity and the promise of success speak monsieur de bracy tell his majesty the good news you have in store Charles the seventh fixed his eyes upon Jean Charost, and a shade came over his face, not of displeasure, indeed, but of deep melancholy. It is probable the memories awakened by the sight, as soon as he recognised him, were very sorrowful. The bloody bridge of Montereau, the dying Duke of Burgundy, and all the fearful acts of a day never to be forgotten, came back to memory, but the impression was but momentary and when he heard the tidings which the young gentleman bore of present relief and of the prospect of large future supplies and he was made aware that he had also brought the news of his being king of france he smiled graciously upon him saying how can we reward you monsieur de bracy few kings have less means than we have at that moment tanneguy du chatel to whose disinterested character history dwelling on his faults has not done full justice came forward and laid his hand upon jean charost's shoulder saying give him saint florent sir which we were talking of the other day its lord not having appeared for fully fifteen years the thief has clearly fallen into the domain of the crown but i promised du chatel said charles turning toward him never mind that sire said du chatel bluffly i do not want it de bracy here has served the crown well and suffered for his services so did his father before him i have been told he brings you good tidings good tidings for france also i do hope give him the fief sir if i had it every one would be jealous no one will be jealous of him well then so be it replied charles the town and castle of saint florent near bourg monsieur de bracy shall be yours but by my faith you must keep them well for the place is of importance commanding the supplies at bourg the letters of concession shall be ready for you to-morrow and you can do homage before you go if you will but stay at our court for a few days 
I must stay here, sire, or at Puy, for the arrival of Monsieur Jacqueur, replied Jean Charost. He has many another scheme for your majesty's service. In Saint Florent I will do my duty, and I humbly thank you much for the gift. Stay here, stay here, said Charles, and then he added with a faint and melancholy smile, Our court is not so large as to fill even the castle of Espali to overflowing. Someone see that he is well cared for. And now, lords and ladies, other things are to be thought of. My first thought, so help me heaven, has been of France, and of what benefit the event which has happened may prove to her. But I cannot forget that I have lost a father, a kind and noble prince, whom God has visited with long and sore afflictions, but who never lost the love of his people or his son. I do believe, from all that I have heard, that death was to him a blessing and relief. But still I must mourn that so sad and joyless a life has ended without one gleam of hope or happiness, even at the close. I had hoped that it might be otherwise, that my sword might have freed him from the durance in which he has been so long kept, that my care and love might have soothed his latest hours. It has been ordered otherwise, and God's will be done. But all to-morrow we will give up to solemn mourning, and the next day take counsel as to instant action. Thus saying, he took the hand of the queen in his own, and was retiring from the room, the group around him only moving to give him passage, except one gentleman, who sprang to open the door. Two persons were left in the midst of the little crowd, not exactly isolated, but in circumstances of somewhat awkwardness. Agnes Sorrel, notwithstanding all her influence at the court, notwithstanding all her power over the mind of the young king, felt that the bonds between herself and those who now surrounded her were very slight, and that there were jealousies and dislikes toward her in the bosoms of many present. But she was relieved from a slight embarrassment by the unvarying kindness of Marie of Anjou. Ere Charles and herself had taken six steps through the hall, the queen turned her head, saying, with a placid smile, "'Come with us, Agnes. I shall want you.' marvellous truly said a lady standing near jean charost speaking in a low tone as if to herself were i a queen methinks i would have the vengeance heaven sends me even if i did not seek some for myself at the same moment tanneguy du chatel laid his hand upon jean charost's arm you must come with me de bracy he said you shall be my guest in the chateau i have room enough there where i lodge Wait but a moment till I speak a word or two with these good lords. We must not let the tide of good fortune ebb again unimproved. The royal name alone is a great thing for us, but it may be made to have a triple effect, upon our enemies, upon our friends, and upon the king himself. By my life this is no time to throw one's card out of one's hand. He then spoke for several minutes in a low tone with Dunois, La Hire, Louvet, and others, and returning to the side of Jean Charost, led him down to the outer court, on his way to that part of the building which he himself inhabited. There, patiently waiting by the side of the mule, they found the son of the landlord at Puy. The boy was dismissed speedily, well satisfied, with directions to send up the young gentleman's horse to the castle the next morning and the rest of the evening was spent by Jean Charost and Tanneguy du Châtel almost alone. It was not an evening of calm, however, for the excitable spirit of the prévôt 
was much moved with all that had passed and with his prompt and eager impetuosity he commented not alone upon the news that had been received but upon all their probable consequences often he would start up and pace the room in a deep reverie and often he would question his young companion upon details into which the king himself had forgotten to inquire the happy moment must not be lost he said the happy moment must not be lost the young king's mind must be kept up to the tone which it has received by this intelligence would to heaven i could ensure half an hour's conversation with the fair agnes just to show her all the consequences of the first great step but i do not like to ask it and after all she needs no prompting she is a glorious creature de bracy heart and soul with her are given to france yet there be some said jean charost some even in this court who seem not very well disposed toward her did you hear what was said by a lady near me just now oh joan of vendome cried tanneguy with a laugh she is a prescribed railer at our fair friend she came to poitiers two years ago fancying herself a perfect paragon of beauty and making up her mind to become the dauphin's mistress but he would have naught to say to her faded charms not even out of courtesy to her husband so the poor thing is full of spleen and would kill the beautiful agnes if she dared she is too cowardly for that however at least i trust so jean charost meditated deeply over his companion's words and whither his thoughts had led him might be perceived by what he next said strange he murmured very strange the conduct of the queen ay strange enough answered du chatel we have here within this little chateau of espali de bracy two women such as the world has rarely ever seen both young both beautiful both gentle the one has all the courage the intellect the vigour of a man and yet as we see a woman's weakness the other is tender timid kind and loving and yet without one touch of that selfishness which prompts to what we call jealousy by the lord de bracy it has often puzzled me this conduct of marie of anjou i do believe i could as readily as any man sacrifice myself to the happiness of one i love but i could not make a friend of my wife's lover there are things too much for nature for human nature at least but this girl her majesty i mean seems to me quite an angel and the other does i will say all that a fallen and repentant angel could to retain the friendship which she fears she may have forfeited all that deference and reverence and humble firm attachment can effect to wash away her offence she uses toward the queen and i do believe from my very heart that no counsel ever given by agnes sorrel to marie of anjou has any other object upon earth but marie's happiness still it is all very strange and the less we say about it the better jean charost thought so likewise but that conversation brought upon him fits of thought which lasted with more or less interruption during the whole evening society in almost every country has its infancy its youth its maturity and its old age at least such has been the case hitherto these several acts of life are of longer or shorter duration according to circumstances but the several epochs are usually sufficiently marked the age in which jean charost spoke was not one of that fine moralizing tendency which belongs to the maturity of life but it was one of passion and of action of youth activity and indiscretion 
nevertheless feeling often supplied a guide where reason failed and from some cause jean charost felt pained that he could not find one character among those who surrounded him sufficiently pure and high to command and obtain his whole esteem he asked himself that painful question which so often recurs to us ere we have obtained from experience as well as reason a knowledge of man's mixed nature is there such a thing as virtue and truth and honour upon earth the next day was passed as a day of mourning but on the following morning early all the nobles in the castle of espali met together in the great hall and some eager consultations went on among them there were smiles and gay looks and many a lively jest and lances were brought in and bucklers examined as if for a tournament jean charost asked his companion du chatel the meaning of all that they beheld and the other replied with a grave smile merely a boy's frolic but one which may have important consequences a moment after the young king himself habited in scarlet entered the hall followed by a number of the ladies and gentlemen of the court and received gracefully and graciously the greetings of his subjects but an instant after la hire and two or three others surrounded and pressed upon him so closely that jean charost thought they were showing scanty reverence toward the king when suddenly a voice exclaimed pardon us sire and in an instant spears were crossed a shield cast down upon them and the young monarch lifted to a throne which might have befitted one of the predecessors of charlemagne dunois seized a banner embroidered with the arms of france and moving on through the doors of the hall to the chapel the banner was waved three times in the air and the voices of all present made the roof ring with the shout of long live king charles the seventh almost at the same time another personage was added to the group around the altar and jacques coeur himself repeated heartily the cry adding i have brought with me sire at least so i trust the means to make you king of france indeed it is here in this chateau and all safe thanks thanks my good friend said the young king we must take counsel together how it may be used to the best advantage and our deep gratitude shall follow the service whatever be the result of the use we make of it and now lords and ladies to poitiers immediately ay to-morrow morning to be solemnly crowned in the cathedral there that city at least we can call our own and there we will deliberate how to recover others End of chapter forty